We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. Today is part what of Imitate? 1-5, a continuation from last week on the emotions of Jesus. How many of you have had a better week because of that teaching? How many of you had opportunities where life came to test your emotions and you could see it coming? So that, you know, you see why we teach. It's, it's teaching. It's not prayer. No. It's, it's teaching. Amen. We talked, we talked about emotions and we stopped at the point where emotion is a function of information. That's powerful. Information influences emotion. The information available to you determines how your emotions respond. Is that correct? And then, you know, went on to say that you are absolutely in control of what you feel, when you feel, whom you feel towards, how you feel it, and for how long you feel it. It's totally up to you. you know, I, I didn't know why she just provoked me. No, you can choose whether or not to be provoked. You can. I mean, guys came to Jesus, our pattern, who we are imitating, blindfolded him. And slapped him. And asked him, you say you are the son of God. Tell us who slapped you. If it was Elisha or Elijah, they would combine fire, thunder, blindness, paralysis, leprosy. I taught this earlier on in the authority of Jesus. How you can misuse authority given to you. Elisha, you won't even succeed in blindfolding him. A king, king just came to call you to talk. 50 people, blind, went off. <laughs> Another 50 people, blind, just to talk. King is just looking. So imagine if they came to actually attack Elisha, who already had chariots of fire surrounding the mountain. You just see charred bodies, like burnt bodies, all around the mountain. All Elijah needs to do is, <laughs> and that's it. And they slap you and tell, tell us who hit you. As a sheep to the slaughter was silent. And you see where we're coming to now? Yes, sir. That's what was happening in Isaiah 53. So when they slapped Jesus and he wanted to respond. I told you last week, Jesus knew the scriptures. So Jesus reminded himself Isaiah 53. Because he had told them today when he read Isaiah's scroll. And said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. When he came down from being tempted, full of the Holy Ghost. And he said to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Later on he tells them, I come in the volume of the book. As is written concerning me, I come to do your will, O God. So when they slapped him, here's what's happening in Jesus' head. He's loading information. That I can do something about this slap. But the word already told me, I will be slapped and I will be silent. So what kept him, wasn't that he was a coward. It was that he understood the volume of the books. So his information dictated his emotional response. Do you understand? So your emotional outburst is a direct function of the information available to you. What you do with it. You can decide to be provoked. You can decide not to be provoked. You can decide to engage. And you can decide that no matter what you do, I will not engage you. You can. Because that's what the pattern son has shown us. 
Emotional expressions is fed by information received and processed per time. That's what makes emotions fleeting and unstable. Because emotion is always changing. One minute you like someone, next minute you don't like them. So your emotional reaction towards them will change. But the information that you should keep is information of what God's word says about them. That doesn't change. So love doesn't change. I can decide I want to break your nose. Because you have earned the right to have a broken nose. And it will amaze you how many times in church your brother and sister will earn a broken nose. We are just all misfits that grace has saved. So people can vex people in church. Church is a very vexatious place. Because church is the one place that believers believe nobody should tell them what to do. Which is very weird. Because in, at work, you have a boss. You don't drag your boss. You have a supervisor. In your shop, you have a madam. You don't drag with your madam. In your class, you have a lecturer. Even your course rep, that's how you talk nonsense. Your course rep will set you up. But church, nah, free for all. Because you feel like church is the one place where nobody should tell me what to do. And that makes a lot of people very volatile. People who are ordinarily well-behaved out there seem to lose their brains in church. There's nobody a believer disrespects like their pastor, especially New Testament people. You give your lecturer respect, your boss respect. The person at the bank, that's how you would talk. They will not answer you. You stand there and be waiting. Especially those sisters that have been there since 7 o'clock and it's by 4 o'clock. They're not coming to come and make noise. You just, after a while, you can't start begging. Sister, now, please now. I have a child at home. We, we start trying to earn sympathy from somebody you have been nasty to. But church, pastor, because you know that, especially when you have a pastor that you know who cannot curse you, slap you, or drive you. That's the one you dishonor. When you were paying tithe, you were paying it faithfully out of fear. And your finances did not die. You didn't, you didn't stop living because you were paying tithe. Now your eyes are open. You stop giving totally. Because you know, nobody can do me anything. You are the one that is doing yourself something. Does that make sense? Because information changes. Church will vex you. Church people. Oh my days. Oh my days. Church. Somebody will say something. They, they intend to compliment you and they will yab you instead. Because they've forgotten that they're supposed to be a son of God before they're supposed to be a Nigerian. You're supposed to be a son of God before Nigerian. Your citizenship is in heaven. So you must not allow yourself to get caught up in Nigerian cliche to the measure that they discolor your spiritual reality. You're a son of God. And you forget how sons of God behave because you are trying to act like your village people or you're trying to act like your friends and be cool. Get up and call yourself a Malian and you wonder why you are acting as stupidly as you're acting. And your education starts to suffer because you have carried the spirit of somebody who is well-educated, studied abroad, speaks proper English, has any opportunity available to him. And then you follow the system he has created he uses your stupidity to make wealth and fame. And you lose the reality of your sonship because you follow the person blindly. There's only one person we are called to imitate. Christ. And those that are following him ahead of you. So you don't join the bandwagon of people that are just saying stuff because everybody's saying it. I have very little regard for people who just quote cliches because everybody else is saying it. You just show you are fickle-minded. Who enthroned it? Who is the kingmaker of what is reigning? And then now removes it from the throne. And enthrones another one. This is now what is reigning. And then you even have the mind to, to admit that a song is reigning over you. A shirt is reigning over you. A pair of slippers is reigning. That's what's reigning. And then you, what are you doing? 
Because you're the one who's supposed to be reigning. So information is fickle. And so our emotions continually to change because of varying information. What's the fix? We talked about that last week. Renew your mind. And like you've heard, renew your mind is essentially changing of information. I explained that last week. Renew. Yeah? From that prefix, re. Which means to do it again. Repair. Means something was good, it went bad. So you repair it. Restore. Something was in a particular state, the state was altered, so you restore. Does that make sense? Replenish. Something had gone down in volume, so you replenish something. Re. It's a Latin prefix for again. So renew your mind means to make your mind new again. Renew. Return the state of your mind to where it was from the beginning. Hello? I'm giving you practical. Renew your mind. Take your mind back to where it was new again. What are you going to have to deal with if you're going to make your mind new again? Information. What corrupted Adam and Eve? Information. Adam and Eve did not know right or wrong. I've said over and over that you did something wrong is because we have now defined a right against which that wrong is measured. That's why before the law, there was sin, but sin could not be imputed outside the law. You cannot say somebody stole if there's no law saying you should not steal. Does that make sense? So unfortunately, and this will sound very controversial to Christians and believers, the place of right and wrong is an inferior place in our work with God. The place of dealing and struggling with right and wrong is a falling place. It's a shame for the new creation believer to be stuck in navigating between right and wrong. It's an inferior place to be. The believer should be loaded with the mind of God and led by the Spirit of God. Full stop. Let me try and repeat it again in the exact same words. The believer should be loaded with the mind of God and led by the Spirit of God. Full stop. Until that is your reality, your mind in you are plenty. And so all of us are struggling because you are measuring yourself against parameters that you have no business with as a son of God. The reason why I think differently from you, I act differently from you, is because I'm subjecting myself to different information from you. What do you think Paul means when he says to the churches, all of you be of the same mind? Has anybody ever thought about it? That the design of the church is such that we should never have to think differently. How much more vote and vote on opposing sides? Move a motion. Some oppose the motion. Some propose the motion. And we are believers. And then you hear that demonic phrase, I hate. We disagree to agree. That is a demonic phrase. Because I've always said over and over, where are we disagreeing from? To agree where? Why do we have to start from disagreement if we are one? I live above crisis. I don't want to be a professional in crisis management. What do I have? We are sons of God. We're not supposed to be navigating the waters of crisis. And there are some of you that only define love by fight. You need deliverance. If, if, if it's too smooth, you start to suspect it. Your, you, the information in your head is twisted. It's too smooth. You start, you know, hey, oh, ah. It's like you're in Nigeria, you're driving, you're traveling. What are you looking for in the road? Bottle. If you're a driver. If you're, if you're not a driver, you don't understand what I'm saying. But if you're a driver, all you're looking for is pothole. So after a while, when there's no pothole, you start to suspect the road. So it's like the devil wants to make you forget pothole so that when you forget it, one pothole will not.
So as you are driving, your eyes are set like a flint. Where's the next pothole? It's like they want me to forget that there's pothole in Nigeria. <laughs> so you start to suspect the road. And we have carried that into our interpersonal relationship. So something is going smooth. You're like, when last did I fight with this guy? When last did I fight with my wife? When last did I upset her? You now start looking for something deliberately to wind the other person up. To test if, because if they can forgive you, then they still love you. We do it to test. Let me see if, let me see if I, if I wind this person up. Will the person come back? Will the person love me? And then you're the one who's praying for witches to fall down and die. Be careful. Because you're, you're a title holder. So we measure it by crisis. We have to disagree. No, we don't have to. It's information. If we are all subject to the same information, why are we disagreeing? Because I don't like dealing with issues at branch level. I deal with issues at stump level. Are you here this afternoon? If we are subject to the same level of information, there will be no disagreement. What causes disagreement? Either there is disparity of information or there's a disagreement in consensus of responding to that information. In other words, either we don't have the same information or we have the same information, but one person has refused to let that information change how they act. I know my righteousness has gone to but are you following me now? So it's either we have different, we don't have information, or we have different information, or we have the same information, but one person has decided I'm not going to be changed in what I'm going to do. I know you have said this, but, and most disagreements, especially among believers, come from the inability to allow the information we have govern our life. In other words, all the misbehaving in, in a new creation reality is intentional. I've learned that much as a pastor in the New Testament church. In other words, in what abiding house, you cannot say you misbehave because you didn't learn doctrine. Not in this church. You cannot say, Pav, I did not know. You can't say that. So why did you misbehave? Why did you fight? Why did you forget? Why did you walk in strife and dissension? Because you have refused to allow yourself be subject to information. It's the information you are subject to that then becomes your... Does that make sense? You stay with the information, then it is, at that point, it, it becomes what is revealed to you. You can see the word. The word is true, but you need to see it for being true. Does, does that make sense? So the fact that you receive the word, the word, is, the word is not true because you believe it. Does that make sense? But in your life, you have to believe the word to be true, for it to be true in your life. That's the mixing of faith, with faith. Does that make sense? That's why James would tell them, receive with meekness. With meekness, the engrafted word that is able to build you. I commend you, Acts 20, 32. I commend you, 32 or 38, 32. I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. Or kodomo. And give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. The word of his grace. How you receive it determines what it does for you. Does that make sense? Why are people called unbelievers? Sins of the world has been taken away. Some people have not received it. So the sins of the world are dealt with and the entire world has access as sons. But not the entire world as sons. But the sins of the entire world are forgiven. God is no more in the business of forgiving sin. Because he took away sin. In the calculations and the permutations of God, sin has ceased to be an issue. It's not an issue because it's fully paid for. 
if it's fully paid for, how come the whole world are not Adelphos? Because he came to his own, John 1, 11, and they received him not. 12, but as many as received to them, he gave authority, not power. Not power. English missed it there. The original word there is exousia, not dunamin. So English translators mistranslated it when they said to them he gave power to become. It's not power he gave to become. You don't become a son by power. Then, then you now come and say by, not by might or not by power. Ah, uh-uh, no. Uh, come on, come on. Come on. Don't confuse yourself. Confuse yourself. It's not by power. You're not a son by ability. You are a son by conferment. When you see you have a PhD, you have studied, you have submitted your thesis. But your, your PhD has to be conferred on you in a conferment ceremony. They dress you in the garb, the academic garb or the academic paraphernalia that is consistent to your degree. If you have gone through um, convocations before, you are dressed in different garb to, re- to reflect your qualification. And you are decorated as such and then you are conferred the degree that you have earned. You have earned it, but until it is conferred, you cannot appropriate it. Does that make sense? Our sonship is not by ability or performance. It's by conferment. And that conferment is authority, exousia. Authority, exousia, is the right to exercise power. And we always mix it up. So as many as received him, John 1, 12, to them he gave the right to exercise sonship. Does that make sense now? To them he gave power to become sons of God. That is the only difference between you and an unbeliever. What keeps them an unbeliever is that they have not received him. So they have not yet been conferred the right to be sons. So new creation realities, they cannot appropriate, but their sin is forgiven. So we receive and we get right to become sons of God. We are sons of God. We have information. We have that information translating to revelation to the measure that you receive it. Does this, is this clear for you? So when somebody as a son of God in a local church where sound doctrine is taught starts to act funny and you can come at the end of a service that was run by the Holy Spirit, you will still beef another brother. It's not the devil. You have become your own personal devil. Are you, are you hearing me? Why did that happen? Because you refuse to mix the word with faith. You receive information. You refuse to let the information act on your emotional reaction. So you reacted according to your old information on that matter. Even though you had received information that should have renewed your mind. Or brought your mind back to the place where it did not have that information in the first place. That's what it means to renew. Are you following me now? And so I went on to say, what messed up the first Adam? Information. Right and wrong. In the day you eat this, it will become like God. You can know what is right and what is wrong. So that what will happen? Because a believer does not need knowledge of right and wrong. Morality is the greatest obstacle. Now, Religious people will not like this. But if you are saved to keep morals, you might as well not be saved. Why have I said? Because there are morally upright people in the universe. That will put the morality of the finest Christian to shame. And yet, upon that morally upright brother, 
has not been conferred the right to be a son of God. There's a sect of people called the six. Listen, undoubtedly, they are like the finest species of human beings in the earth. A Sikh cannot kill a fly, literally. Literally, it's against their belief to hurt a fly. Literally speaking. They exist in communities. They live off the earth. They don't cause pollution. Their carbon emission is zero. There's no crime among them. They live within their means. There's the Amish people in America as well, who are also self-sufficient. You don't hear any issues. So salvation is not morality. Actually, and this will shock some of you, morality is the fall of man. Man fell from God's image into morality. Who conferred upon man the ability to know right and wrong? Information from Satan. Before the fall, man was superior. He was God, full stop. Full stop. He is the measure of what is right or wrong. Not your conscience. Oh, are you now saying we can live how we like? How you thought that shows that you are either not born again or your mind is dirty. And I cannot be responsible for the dirtiness of your mind. Because these people that, the, the grace police people, believe that we should not preach the truth because it will make the No, 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 no. I'm not your head. I will teach you the truth. And you will align yourself to it and change to suit the information or you hit yourself against the wall. But I will not keep the truth away from you because I feel like, how can what saved me, I'm afraid it will spoil you. How does that, how does that make sense? It saved me. Oh. When me I mess up, I go and pray and say, Father, thank you for grace. But I will not teach my people so they will not mess up. So if you are hearing, you can do whatever you like. You can, it's, it's, oh, grace is for you to not sin. You, you don't mention grace and sin in the same sentence. You mention grace as the answer to sin. Only an unregenerate mind will equate grace and sin. That person has been sinning without license. Now he's looking for license to sin. Oh, you will license them to sin. All the sin you are sinning before you had grace. Did you wait for license? All of you that are here and that drive cars, lift your hand up. You drive. You can, have, you can drive. Lift your hand. You can drive. If you have a license, keep your hand up. If you don't have a license, put your hand down. See what I'm saying? So why are you driving car without license? Why didn't you wait for license to drive car? And then you want to blame grace as license to sin. No, you have been sinning without license. Just like you learned somehow, somehow you learned how to drive car without license. Yes, sir. So you can't blame your sin on grace. When grace appeared to shine the light against your sin. Yes, sir. It's information. So what is mind renewal? Returning your mind to where it was before anything polluted it. And that means removing the voices in your head. Did God say? That's where it started though. That's where your mind got spoiled. Did God say? Is that also? Genesis 3. Let's go there. Are you getting instructed? From verse, okay, from verse 1. Simon was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? Please go to King James. <laughs> Some of these verses are very nice in King James. <laughs> go back to verse 1. Chapter 1. Verse 1, yeah. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, yeah, had God said, ye, ye, male and female man, shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the dude knew that that was not what God said. And then she goes, 
we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, which included the tree of life. There was no instruction to not eat of the tree of life. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said to the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. God saw that as man dying. Coming into the knowledge of good and evil was equated to man dying. And she was like, next verse. She'll be like, knowing good and evil. Verse 6. And when the woman suddenly saw that the tree was good for food. Excuse me. You have all the trees to eat. Suddenly, information came to you that changed your perception. Yes, sir. Wow. And you're like, ooh, this fruit looks really nice after all. I can eat this one. All the different species of trees suddenly were not insufficient. Because one had promised you to know good and evil. And she ate. And her husband came. Yeah. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And some of you have always asked that age-long question. Why did Adam not refuse? Because Adam and Eve were man. And God made man in his image. Male and female created he them. Man, them. Ish, male, Isha. Adam was a reference to the species before it became known as the man's name. Does that make sense? So he just took on and became his name. It's called etymology in language. So Adam was not a name. Adam was the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for now? The specialization given to that species. Adam. Ha Adam is the full one in the, in the Hebrew. And then it now evolved. To, the man now started being known as Adam. Does that make sense? So the moment Eve ate, who ate? Ha, Adam. So by the time a compromised Eve is giving the fruits to Adam, he's already a compromised Adam. He couldn't have said no. Are you following me now? That's why we lost our minds. Open it up to voices. When you become born again, you now have to take your mind back to where it was before the serpent began to talk for you to hear. Are you still here? Yes, sir. That's what it means to renew your mind. The information. Load it then only with the right information about each department of life. Did you hear that? When you wipe it and renew it, you load it with only the right information for that department of life. If your understanding of love is warped, everything that you do in love will be warped. If it doesn't beat me, it doesn't love me, it's information. It's information. And you might be convinced that that's what it is. But your reality does not determine the yardstick for which that thing is measured. Does that make sense? So you need to renew your mind. It's not normal to be beat up. It's not acceptable. Especially for sons of God. Oh, it's normal. Says who? If you don't tip them and bribe them, you don't go anywhere. Says who? It's information. Change what information is available to you and it will change your emotional reaction. Simple. It's not difficult. If your information in a particular area is constant, your emotional reaction in that area is constant. 
This afternoon, just before we started, I was telling them to pray in the Holy Ghost. And I said, pray in the Holy Ghost and focus on the spirit of joy. Because he has given the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, not happiness. Happiness is, is sensual. Yeah. It's fleeting. It's fickle. So you have money, you're happy. You don't have money, oh, I don't have money. You have a lot of growing to do. Oh, he broke my heart, he left me. Let him go, he's lost. It's his loss. You are a son of God. He should have been privileged to have you to love. Oh, you know, I'm not good enough. Nobody loves me. Excuse me. Somebody fell in love with you and went and died for you. What, what again do you want? Nobody loves me. Nobody accepts me. Nobody thinks I'm worth anything. But it's the same you that will open your mouth during worship. Oh, he chases me down. Fight still I'm found. Leaves the 99. I couldn't. As if you're not feeling foolish enough. There's no mountain you didn't light up. Shadow you didn't climb up. Coming after me. Me, me, me. You add the alib. Because we are still saying things that have not become our revelation. Because if that's your understanding, then any human love you receive is a bonus. It's not the defining factor in your measurement of worth. It's not. Why oh, they love me? They don't love me. Look at her. I feel so rejected. I feel so. No, he was rejected for you. So no human being should make you feel rejected. That's why we chased out suicidal thoughts last week. Never to return. Never. That's how I can slap you if you tell me I'm thinking of taking my life. If you were here last week. Because you have just proven that the information you received, you have not let it sit. What should I I now tell you? Do you understand? After last week, what should I tell you? How would you let yourself get to the point where you feel suicidal again? Jesus used the weepo. What should we tell you? Because what you want is a motivational speech. Pep talk. Pep talk. Hey, yeah, you there again? Sorry. Be strong. It's information. I have superior information about my reality. Yes, sir. You can't talk me down. You cannot. You can't. I can't speak in fear. I can't cower in defeat. I'm not inferior. I'm a king. I'm a priest of the same order as Jesus. Yes, sir. When I and Jesus stand before the Father, he cannot see any difference. No difference. And Jesus cannot go and do anything without me. I am his body. Where does the head want to go without the body? When we say we are the body of Christ, do you understand? It means if Jesus is going to go to Calabar South, he has, I have to go. I am his body, sir. We are co-heirs, joint heirs of the Father. Joint together. No human being can put me down. No human being can put you down. That's our reality, guys. So when you renew your mind, you are loading fresh information in there. So whenever anything comes at you or throws anything at you, you're like, "Mm, no, this is not the right information. So you refuse to process it. You start removing stuff in your head because it's not consistent with your reality. Is that practical enough? Philippians 4, and we'll continue next week. Mind renewal is mastering your emotions. Mastering your emotions. Mastering the information you process. Master the information that you process.
How do you do that? You zero in on what is constant and you despise what is temporal. Did you hear what I said? Zero in on what is constant and despise what is temporal. You know how, how Paul says the things that are seen are temporal. Things that are not seen are eternal. Second Corinthians 4, I believe that says. So when, when, when Philippians 4, is that all right? Finally, brethren, having said all, basically, whatever things are true, say one, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, what should you do? TPT. That's mind renewal. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind. And fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God Praising him always. Spiritual maturity is mental. God sent the spirit of his son into your heart. Crying. Galatians 4, 6. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Why? Because he sent his spirit into yours. So you don't have a spirit. You received his spirit. You have no spirit. You are not a spirit. You are not a spirit. If you are a spirit now, it's because you have his spirit in you. Now, if you have his spirit in you, the spirit of God is of constant quality. The spirit of God does not degrade. Because it does not degrade, it does not need to be upgraded. The spirit of God does not improve. The spirit of God does not get better. The spirit of God is not moving towards perfection. The spirit of God does not need revival. Reviving what? What are you reviving? The spirit of God is constant. Of the same quality. Otherwise Jesus lied. When he said Jesus Christ the same yesterday. Today. I am the Lord. I do not change. That's why the sons of men are not consumed. Because I do not change. So you have to pump your spirit. With what? Who told you you have spirit? If not, wrong information. Wrong information. Wrong information. Are you here today? Yes, sir. So spiritual growth is not spiritual. Yes, sir. I told them here, I said, church, the church globally, pastors need to repent of what we call spiritual maturity. And I said it with all boldness. We have run around and I told them, don't confuse spiritual maturity with spiritual exercise. Spiritual maturity is not spiritual. Spiritual growth is not spiritual. You must be so confident, confident in yourself that your confidence is almost misconstrued for pride. Do you understand? You are so confident, your confidence scares people. That's when you're in charge of your mind. You can go anywhere and declare the counsel of God. Head held high. Because you're not trying to be like someone else. And because you're like that, you're also happy 
to not despise anyone else. You understand? You are fair. So what? You are firm. So what? You are fluffy. So what? You are short. So what? We are all sons of God. And so, you, when somebody says, look at you, look at you, look at how big you are. You will not even allow yourself to take it in. It's not worthy of sitting in your mind. Your mind is too renewed to accommodate junk food. It's too renewed to accommodate junk food. You spit it out. That's not my reality. And I don't even have to answer you. Whatever nonsense comes, emits a renewed mind. So it dies on contact. Oh, looked at, me, looked at me and said I was so dull. That doesn't make you dull. You don't become dull because somebody said you are dull. He looked at me and said, how can he say that? I could not amount to anything. Let him take you back. No, bring some more. Nothing good will ever happen to you. You will never amount. Excuse me. God is able to make all grace abound towards you so that you, having all sufficiency in all things, will abound unto every good work. That is my reality. God. God. Not my lecturer, not my father. Not my auntie. Not some old woman with break a crate of fresh eggs. That's your business. I mean, I wish you gave me the crate. I wish. But you want to stay and break and break. break. Auntie, give me some. Let me help you to break. You are too slow. Look, somebody's calling you and I hide some of the eggs. Break all you want. Catch a chicken, yank the head of the chicken off. That is your problem. Eat food given to idols. Romans 14. 1 Corinthians 8. They ate food given to idols. Paul said, eat it with thanksgiving. So if you use chicken to do ritual for me, help my ministry by bringing the chicken. Let's eat it. God is able to make all grace about is he that decreed a thing, Lamentations 3, and it comes to pass if the Lord has not said so. I am blessed. Be, I am blessed beyond the curse. Yes, I curse you. You will not amount to it. Watch me. Watch me. Because God makes grace abound. So I don't have time to be fighting with you. Yes, I, am, I don't have time. I'm, I'm too secure to be shifted. Yes, I am too secure yes, to be shifted. I'm in, I'm in charge of my mind. I'm in charge of what I think. That's what God has called us to as sons of God. I, I may not have money someday. So what? It doesn't change my reality. I become moody. What, money, what is, money is overrated. See, I've worked with God to the point where God bypasses my bank account. And meets my needs. I have a need. My account is 60 naira. My need is met. My account is 60 naira. So what is my problem trying to gather money when he meets my need regardless? So I'm not the kind of person that you come and say, you come and start to nag at me, look at you. I'm not Jobo. His wife will come and be nagging. Look at you. You say you are God. My friend, we have seen he who sees us. The writer says, but we see Jesus. Hebrews 2, we see Jesus. We see Jesus looking unto Jesus. But we see Jesus. That's who we see. You can't see him and act normal. 
So I know some of you are looking at us and going, yeah, man. No, no, wait. Light, your own is coming. You're looking at us and you're going, yeah, this is really, they're so crazy. What's exciting them? Your own is coming. Because this life, it will hit you. I promise you. It will, when it hits you, you remember Pav. And then you will understand that this thing they're saying is true. Because see, the lowest of lowest have been there. More regularly than it appears. I've been there. No food on the table. We have been there. Me, Pav, like this. So yeah, life hits us too. But this is who we are at all times. Paul says, I've learned how to abase and how to abound. When he said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things. He was not, I can do all things in this life. That's not what he said. So when you come and quote and say, hey, you as you go, you will prosper. The Bible says you can do all things. That's not what Paul was saying. That's not the context. When Paul said, I can do all things, he was saying, this, I can be with hunger. I can be without hunger. And I am okay. All things regarding to surviving as a son of God, I'm able to do it. Well, I want uh, Daniel's wife. But it's difficult. No, but the Bible says. That's why people start singing that song. That doesn't make sense to me. I look at you with one corner of my eye. Everything now double, double. My wife is single, single. What's my son? Your pastor is single, single. Songs that make no sense. No, sir. I can do all things. I've learned to be with. I've learned to be without. And I'm fine. Christ is glorified. My joy is not contingent on what's happening around me. That's why I've told you over and over. Listen, guys. If the gospel will sit in your life, you must resign from being a Nigerian and adopt being a son of God. The two of them will not sit side by side. They will not. It's from inside to the degree that he doesn't violate your sonship. Otherwise, you will struggle with this gospel. You will struggle. You must retire your human reality. I've taught you guys in this house that the most dangerous thing is what you can touch. I've taught you over and over that tangibility is the greatest opponent to your spiritual reality because what you cannot touch like this is more real it's more real than what you can touch what you can touch is temporal so don't let what you're going through ah pastor you don't know how he's doing ah it's not only you he's doing but some of us have gained mastery and that is spiritual maturity it's not how many verses you can quote the one you know how is it your reality how is that verse your reality that's maturity you understand what I'm saying? The, the scriptures, the gospel you have learned, becoming your reality. That is maturity. So stop quoting and start growing. Start growing. You quote something, life comes to test it. You fail. What are you quoting then? Next week, we'll continue. And I'll show you from the emotions of Jesus. We'll look in the compassion of Jesus. Begin to study how Jesus reacted to emotions, how he processed information. Because that's who we are imitating. That's who we are imitating. You can't be angry because everybody's angry. You can't. You can't be frustrated because everybody's frustrated. If material things dictate your mood, the abundance of them will not make you better. Now your problem is 30,000 house rent. When you're not living in a place where you're paying 3 million, when your own staff salary is 19 million, that's staff salaries for one month, you have 19, you have to pay them, and you have a shortfall of 11 million. So you only have 8 million for that month. You're not, you're not poor but you, 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 are, you have a shortfall of 11 million. That's when you go and jump over the bridge and kill yourself. Because you didn't process how to handle 1,000 that you didn't have. 1,000 you didn't have to buy a handout, you became depressed. Are you receiving instruction? Yes, 1,000. 
You don't see any way in the world that you can come out of it. And that's when the devil will tell you, did God really say? Are you sure you are called? Did you hear God? Did God call you? Or did you call God? You will not think like that. Because our love and our joy, our acceptance before the Father is not based on things, things like this. So you guard your mind. We are like Mount Zion that cannot be moved. We are planted on solid ground. And especially in this era of pressure, especially for you young folks, you must develop mental staying power. You must. Mental staying power. The ability to stand your ground and know who and whose you are. Regardless of what the world thinks. You must. I'm walking in power. I'm working miracles. I live a life of favor. Because I know who I am. Take a look at me. I'm a wonder. It doesn't matter what you see now. Can't you see his glory? Because I know. Take a look at me. I'm a wonder. It doesn't matter what you see now. Can't you see his glory? Cause I one more time. Take a look. Take a look at me. I'm a wonder. It doesn't matter what you see now. Can't you see his glory? Cause I know who I that's my reality. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.